Hi folks, it's Grant here. Uh, welcome to another episode of Dice with Design number 10 and our special on Eternal Contenders, Joe's new game uh, released uh, in conjunction with Chronicle City and some exciting news to begin with. Uh, we have a competition, our first competition. Uh, the rules are simply this. Leave us a review on iTunes. Yep, that's it. And we'll pick, and from all the reviews we get, we'll pick a random person to win a copy of Eternal Contenders, a copy of the original Contenders game uh, from Joe, and also, uh, if it exists, and Joe thinks it does, a special promotional t-shirt from the original Contenders game. Uh, it's a very cool t-shirt. I, I got what I bought, actually bought one myself from Joe because uh, I liked it. Um, so, as simple as can be, when you leave your review, uh, make sure and tell us that you've done so on podcast at dicingwithdesign dot com. Uh, just just to, just to let us know that you've done it. And uh, good luck. Enjoy the episode, everyone. Hello everyone and welcome to the Dicing with Design podcast. Here are your hosts, Colin the Grey Man Grey. Well, that's a new one, but yeah, go for it. <laughs> Joel, Prince of Darkness, Prince. Hello there. And there's myself, I'm Grant. Uh, today we'll be talking about the brandly new out, new hotness in the world of role-playing, Eternal Contenders. And with us we have our special guest, as we had for the last nine episodes, uh, <laughs> the designer of the game, Joel J. Prince. Oh. Woo! Cheer! Yeah! Woo! Thanks. It's a surprise and a privilege to be on a Dyson Design podcast. <laughs> you are privileged, Joe. This is a very popular and very extensive podcast that uh, only the best designers get on. We have literally some listeners. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> one or two, at least. <clears throat> and only, only one or two of them are our friends. Yeah, that's all of them gone. Yeah, I know. <laughs> anyway, go on. No, we do know people. We do know people are listening. Thanks for listening, folks. Yeah, we got we got approached by at least one person at that. Uh, what do we call it? Compulsion, didn't we? Yeah. Well, I said no. We approached him. We found out he was a listener and went up and fawned at him, which is probably not the way it's supposed to be, but. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. if you are a listener, you are our friend. <laughs> Even if you're not, then you are our friend. Yeah. That's, what we, that's what we think of our listeners. Yes. Um, oh, you're all friends. Friend, we're all friends we haven't met yet. <laughs> well, in some cases, we have. But... Okay, so what have we been up to, guys? Uh, we've got we've got a couple of episodes in the can uh, uh, just now, so we'll probably be coming out with this uh, very soon after the other two, um, as soon as I've gotten my got myself in gear edited and uh, put up. So, uh, <laughs> shall we, let's talk about what we've been up to uh, just a little bit. Last time we talked about our um, have we talked about our games in the shed? Our games in the shed. Our, our, yeah, our Warhammer games. Yeah, we talked yeah. about them. Yeah. Okay. I believe we've covered them. So gaming highlights since then. Okay, well I've been, I've been it's, it's all go for our uh, team tournament at Warhammer World in September. Uh, I've I've been painting 
and trying to make trying to make lists for uh, my Chaos Warriors army, trying to get free Battle Demon Battle Prince Battle. models. Yeah, yeah, um, Demon Prince Factory. I think it, I think it can work. I think you, I think you want the three chosen units though. Just I think so. Squeeze yeah. them in. Squeeze them in. Yeah, somehow, some way. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> just. It w- it won't work many it won't work very often but one one of those one of those games I will get three free de- demon princes out of my thousand point army. Yeah, <laughs> well you got and my opponent's gonna cry. <laughs> yeah, you got two against us, didn't you, in the first turn, and that yeah. pretty much meant you couldn't break that that flank. So <laughs> yeah, that was Colin's flank, difficult. unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> couldn't couldn't get to he couldn't get to me with his Bretonians where I got three monstrous characters just popping up all over the board, beasting <laughs> you. Brilliant. Uh, besides that, yeah, trying to trying to tweak that list and well, I, I suppose at a gaming club at school, I've been playing uh, Fortress America, which is an old school uh, Milton Bradley uh, strategy game that got donated to the club. Uh, although I believe uh, Fancy Flight have recently uh, re-released that. It's basically one one player goes as the Americans, and then everyone else plays basically uh, another part of the world, either the South Americans or the Europeans or the Asians who are all trying to uh, attack America at one time. The covers, it's great. You can tell when the cover came this, it came out, there's a uh, there's there's like a picture of a Saddam Hussein like like look alike on the front cover. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, yeah, but it's it's pretty good fun. Uh, cool. Probably over long for the hour and a half slot that we that we have at the club, unfortunately, and played a bit of. Uh, the Lord of the Rings board game the week after that. Uh, the one with the really old school looking uh, art on it. Although it's a pretty good game, it's very abstract. Um, the Reiner Reiner Knizia, I think it was, uh, designed that one. And next to tomorrow, we'll be uh, we'll be playing 40k. And when the guys bring his 40k models in, I can't help them. I don't play 40k and I can't afford the models. But, uh, yeah. I'll tell you what I have been listening to. I'll probably give them a shout. Nearly Off Dice. Are really good. <coughs> uh, yeah, they seem pretty popular. Yeah, I listen yeah, to them most weeks. They're good. Yeah. They play on... Um, Mike often talks about... Uh, um, Hell for leather, actually. Yeah, yeah. he does. Because he actually, he, he, yeah, you're hell for leather. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, they do talk about um, what's it called settings quite a lot. Like every week, they'll they'll sit and talk about a setting and the cool stuff that could go on in it. Aye, they make That's one they of my favourite suggestions, bits. don't they? And they basically make something up on the spot, basically. Yeah, like um, right, uh. The recent one was like a space station. What can happen yeah. in a space station? Here's an idea for a space station. Yeah, yeah, it's quite cool. We may have to rip that off. Well, it's just you can use it <laughs> in a GM game and a GMless game. It's something you know you can. It's no, no, I mean rip off the idea of creating something on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, like a game, maybe. <laughs> anyway, so uh, that that's my that's what I've been up to. That's pretty pretty good. Pretty good haul. Um, I've not played much gaming since uh, our last cast, but I did get in a couple of, of games of, of Dungeon Duelists with um, non-gamers or unlikely gamers. I got in. Uh, I played a game against uh, my wife Marie, who's not really a gamer, 
but we played the uh, the introductory version that I've got of Dungeon Duelists, and uh, and you remember that game that we had where I kicked both your asses? Yes. Well, in her first. Nope. Game, don't remember that at all. <laughs> in Marie's first game, she beat me. <laughs> <laughs> she beat me with the sea otter. God. Oh, humiliating. So, and then my mum and dad yeah. were up, and um, we actually, I actually got a game with them one night where they agreed to play um, a, a game of Dungeon Duelists. So we had a quick four-player game of that, and that was good fun. That was really good. That lasted a while. And then uh, my mum eventually managed to win that. <laughs> <laughs> now, be honest, Joe, how much were you trying to win in that game? I was trying to win, but they all <laughs> sensibly ganged up on me. Ah, okay. <laughs> so, ah. Well, so the first thing is, your <laughs> mum is just... better at play beat you games than I am. <laughs> <laughs> That's what science would tell us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Cool. That's good. Did they enjoy it? Do you think? Yeah, they did. They did. They really liked it. It was it was good fun, and it would last the right length of time. And there was just. You know, not it's not really a role-playing game, but there's a little scope for getting into your character and talking in character. Yeah, they enjoyed that. I think. Yeah. Hey, so I've been I've been playing it again uh, in uh, had, a, had a quick game at, at school club as well with that one and the kids like that. So yeah. it gets requested. So it's doing something right. Good stuff. Good gamer converting, Joe. Thanks. <laughs> Even if it is your parents. <laughs> yeah, I know. I force them to play a few of my games every now and again. Yeah. <laughs> well, is it, at least you're going to get at least one good word from your mum. She's not going to slag you off, is she? I hope not. I don't know. She's probably an RPG now, isn't she? <laughs> She's actually learned how to use a computer. It's composed an angry review. <laughs> <laughs> you to get flamed by your mum. Nice. <laughs> Uh, well, I have been doing absolutely sod all gaming because um, I have been getting married instead. So, Playing uh, the game of life. <clears throat> yeah, I have to admit, I wasn't allowed much in the way of gaming in the week running up to it. Uh, it was more playing the game of trying to avoid all the organising. Playing the game of trying to avoid disasters befalling us in the day. Uh, and that was it. <laughs> so I got all I mean, excited as well. Got that text message from you asking me to bring the boards up that I played that you yeah. used for Warhammer, but it was just <laughs> it was just for the spare. It was just for an extra table. Yeah, for, we for had the meal. <laughs> a table disaster necessitated. That was the first thing. I, funny, the first thing I thought of as soon as I was thinking, ah, oh, damn it, we're short two tables. How can I fix this? <gasps> Gaming tables. That's what we need. <laughs> Without the but, game, sad days. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but you know what? Actually, I had one one little um, gaming-related thing was the fact that uh, I'm uh, I probably haven't said it on the show yet, but I'm moving to Dundee in uh, a couple of weeks. Uh, moving on uh, middle of July. Uh, I'm, I've walked by my my new house the other day, uh, and I walked down um, the road a little bit, only probably about fifty meters or so, past a couple of shops, a laundry, that type of stuff, and it turns out there's a game shop right there. What, an independent gay shop? Yeah, totally. It's got, um, it's got massive big uh, Magic the Gathering uh, billboards in the window, uh, a few other things, like just little uh, wargamey stuff as well. Didn't see anything um, other than Magic that I recognised in the window, I have to say, but um, it's obviously a little independent game store, so that's quite cool. And it's quite big as well. It's got like... Um, it's got of what looks like an actual shop, and then it's got a couple of rooms next to it with tables set up and stuff. So I'm mean, imagine. Oh wow, the American American style where you can actually play games at the store. Yeah, yeah. Well, it looks like there's definitely some war gaming going on, so that's quite cool. So I could be um, trying to join a new games club quite soon. 
see what they're doing in there. Yeah. I'll certainly uh, make it easier if it's only 50 yards down the road. Yeah. Exactly. You could carry a huge army. <laughs> yeah. to that way. yeah. So it just occurred to me as well um, that uh, obviously you had like um, Yes and Edinburgh, but I don't know if uh, Dundee will have a role playing society or anything like that. Maybe I'll get a few games with them too. We shall see. New frontiers to uh, to explore. Aye, cool. cool. <laughs> right, is that what we're up to? Yep. Okay, main topic jingle. Bling, 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 bling. Take it away, Joe. <laughs> main topic, main topic, not a side topic. No tangents will be found in the main topic discussion segment. Woo! Nice. Well done. <laughs> okay, Eternal Contenders uh, is released Ooh, now yeah. uh, out on Chronicle City Games. Uh, link in the show notes. Uh, to to that one, you, or um, the, well, that's the book and PDF, and also the uh, just the PDF version. I noticed it's also up on RPG now, or your local gaming store as well. Yes, they should be uh, winging their way to a friendly local game store near you soon in the UK, anyway, and maybe slightly <laughs> in the US. Okay, so. right. Yes. So, um, should we go? Should we? And this is a sequel, of course, to uh, Contenders from how long ago was that? 2004 ish? 2005? I think. I think I wrote it in 2005 and it came out in 2006, I believe. Okay, a boxing game. Should we maybe talk about the boxing game first, the original Contenders, which this is based on? Gives a good background to the game, I think, yeah. Okay. Briefly. Briefly, cool. Well, you have to fire questions at me and I'll try and. Them. <laughs> well, hey, where, did, where did Contenders come from, Joe? There's a good story behind that, isn't there? Yeah, it came from uh, The Forge, from Ron Edwards running a competition called The Ronnies over on The Forge website, which is uh, closed down now, I think. Well, I think you can get, get the archives, but it's no longer an active forum, I believe. But that was kind of uh, legendary in the indie RPG breakout days and Ron Edwards um, really well known for Sorcerer and for also contributing to like role playing theory um, back in you know the early noughties and up to like 2005-2006 time that's when I started being aware of the Forge and visiting it and then saw that um, Ron Edwards was running this competition and it was a, a 24 hour RPG competition which I'd, I'd had a go at before because I just stumbled across this website where um, they had been set up the idea that can you complete a role playing game in 24 hours you give yourself 24 hours to complete a game and then you can host it up on the, up on the site um, and that was what the, the Ronnies was using the competition was you had to complete a game in 24 hours um, So what full... was the what was the basis for this competition? The base for this competition was uh, Ron Edwards picked four random words and then you had to use two of them in your design. I think that's right. And uh, he'd actually done one round before the round that I did contenders for because he did several rounds. I think it was three or four. Uh, the first time he ran the Ronnies, in the end, he would do like it was supposed to be one round a month and then the best games from that month. Um, and so it was the second round. And the words that I used were fight and pain. And the other ones were cosmos 
and something else. I can't remember. I can't remember what the other one was. But it wasn't used. Cobalt? <laughs> no, it wasn't Cobalt. Um, but but for me, Fighting Pain immediately kind of, I had the idea of, of a, a boxing game, a game where you'd look at fighters struggling with their pain to uh, achieve victory against the odds. Did that? So did you go through any other ideas before that? Or was that literally the first thing you thought of? I think that was pretty much the first. I can't remember. I've got, I've got my. They only had a day. There wasn't, yeah, wasn't much yeah. time well, for no, for the, the floor. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the, um, the actual competition. I think it had a two week slot. So you picked your twenty four hours within that. Okay. And uh, yeah, if you're doing it by the true hardcore rules, it should just be one slot of twenty four hours, and you shouldn't even think about the game beforehand and stuff. But that's ah. So, so so actually, you could split it up. You could spend like three or four hours one day and then three or four hours the next day. Yeah, I mean, it's ultimately up to you how you decide to complete yeah. it. The, but that so was a really two-week challenge. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, there was a hard two-week time limit, so that was the absolute... You couldn't have anyone on two weeks. It wasn't possible. Yeah. Yeah. You were supposed to pick your 24-hour slot and just work on it in, in that uh, space. Right. So what were, the core, what were the core of the rules at that point? Or, or should we maybe get into the details of it? Yeah, we'll go into the real details when we talk about... Uh, the the sequel, shall we? Uh, sure. Yeah. yeah. So what was what's the but the basis was you had well you had hope and you had pain. Yes. And you had a connection. And that's right. Yeah. And that was uh, influenced a lot by My Life with Master, which is a game by uh, Paul Seger, which it was again one of the kind of, one of the games that kind of blew my mind about role playing. Just showed a totally different way that you could do it. It came out in 2003, 2004-ish, something like that. And I, again, I just stumbled across it through visiting the Forge and other role-playing websites. And that was just the idea that you could have a scene um, resolved in a single dice roll, a single check, uh, rather than kind of incremental little task-based checks that would normally be used in traditional role-playing games. Um, and then the idea as well in My Life of Master that um, the game would, would end. It would have like an end game trigger built in. You know, your stories would conclude mm-hmm. and would finish in one way or another. Uh, so I wanted to do, do something like that. That just appealed to me so much because I've played in so many traditional role-playing games where the, the stories don't really conclude and don't really go anywhere and it just kind of peters out and for one reason or another you, you stop playing that game but you never really feel like the characters have uh, changed or undergone, you know, they've, they've not really had their plot yeah. arcs complete. Yeah. We had your earlier game Swan Song that were, they did actually. Well, it's in the title. Your your character did finish yeah. there. They they there was a there was an end game built in, where you would you your character would come to an end and will get written out. But yeah. that's that's what you're pushing towards. That's right. And I was actually working on Swan Song at the same time as Contenders. So it it, it will kind of I think Contenders was actually out first. Maybe. Oh, really? maybe song's, I think maybe Swansong was out first on PDF, but Contenders was out first as a book. Okay. Yeah. But, they were uh, quite different games, though, weren't they? Yeah. Swansong was, was uh, much more in the traditional mold. Yeah. Games Master. You had a Games Master who was ultimately responsible for everything. Yeah. Um, but it did still have that strong character drive built in that 
the idea was to conclude your character's story arc, like yes. and, and your swan song was your character's was your special final scene that you got final grand moment your character got before they left the world which would be achieving yeah. their quest goal or maybe failing in that miserably mm. uh, to the prince of darkness overwhelming them. <laughs> so. yeah um, yeah so um should we should we talk about some examples of play then because i've played i've played obviously a few games of that of, of the original contenders yeah yeah definitely i think in fact, I think you two of you both played in the first ever game that I ran, the first ever playtest of Contenders. <laughs> yeah, uh, I was Boxcar Willy. What was, we, did we have a... Was we, what's the yeah. do we have to do in modern day? It's definitely in the US. It was the Las Vegas-style city. Uh, it's the... was it? Yeah, Desert City. Desert City, yeah, Desert which city. is the your... Yeah, she's Vegas, pretty much. It's Vegas, but slightly removed from Vegas. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I think uh, we said it in the eighties, didn't we, or the seventies? Was it? Yeah, yeah. I anyway. Uh, yeah, because I, I was boxcar Willie, who's uh, <laughs> had a connection of uh, the, the 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 suggested hooker with the heart of gold. Uh, <laughs> he kept on. He kept on. He was basically a tramp who'd come in on a, come who'd come in on a, on a box um, like on a boxcar, yeah, in the on the railway track and tried was trying to make make money and trying to, trying to get his uh, hooker girlfriend out of town, uh, so they could start a life together. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Kept on being dis, kept on being disappointed. It's a good character, battling hobo, box Willie. Yeah, <laughs> I had totally forgot about that, but it's yeah. all coming back now. <laughs> yeah, he was literally trying to fight his way out of the gutter. That's yeah, yeah. yeah. Aye. <laughs> what are the characters in that one then? You, you were Buzz Aldrin in that one. Was that Buzz Aldrin? <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't remember which one's which. Was that the Was that the very first one? <laughs> yep. Yeah. The one I kept reprising because it was my only my only inspiration of creativity. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So I was I was Buzz Aldrin, who was a um, well not very well disguised, uh, an ex astronaut who uh, was really bitter because he would been. Or he'd had a good chance to be the first man on the moon, but he'd been put to the post by the other guy. He'd got there first, so <laughs> he'd been totally fed up with the fact that nobody ever remembers his name, but everybody remembers the first guy on the moon's name. <laughs> so I think that, was that, what was that, sorry? Sorry, just, just like all the other fighters, so just like all the other contenders had fallen hard times. Yeah, exactly, aye. So he was boxing to try and uh, try and make some cash, because his, uh, his space money had dried up. Yeah. <laughs> Can't remember what his connection sorry. was, because we all... I think it was, was it not um, some weird pun on Neil Armstrong? That was his connection because it was, uh, I can't remember now actually. Revenge or something. Yeah, it was something like that. Like he was trying to, or was it that someone had gone wrong? Like someone had gone wrong with Neil, with uh, whoever, whatever I needed that guy. I've character sheets somewhere. It was something to do with NASA or... Yeah, Armstrong, something like that. I thought it was stupid. I'm sure he'd he'd like had an accident or something, and Buzz had been a cause of it, maybe, and he felt guilty, so that's why he was trying so hard to make some money to help him out or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but yeah, the Neil the Neil Armstrong fighting fit fund. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't, I don't. a little bit a little bit out there. Your character, yes, indeed. Yeah. I've just never been remember in. just the one. I, can't, I fought a couple of fights in in that one. I, I, well, the, 
I think I was fighting some other hobos in the, in the in the story. But what I remember was the the seas are trying to make a connection, trying to get trying to get some hope. And uh, when you when you're you know making these connection scenes and just going along with some money to the to the girlfriend and just knowing hearing her in the room with a client and grunting noise coming from the bedroom <laughs> and just leaving money and sadly walk leaving money on the kitchen table and sadly walking out the front door of her like trailer. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember like well I don't remember the details, but I remember remembering some great scenes that we made up in those first few games just because it seemed like quite a I don't know. It was, well, it was like you're talking about Life of Master inspired you about it, Joe. But that was this was the first game that I'd ever played that wasn't um, basically right. I want to walk up that hill, roll a dice, and see if I can actually make it up there. <laughs> that type of <laughs> crap yeah, test. Yeah. Have you taken the hill walking skill? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. no, no, I haven't. Oh no, sorry. Minus one. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was the first game that actually seemed to let you just make up stuff and um, do whatever the hell you liked. And there were tests, obviously, to see whether it went exactly how you wanted to, but it was. I thought it was quite cool in the fact that even if you failed, you still quite often you still get to do what you wanted to. But it was just there's bad consequences, or it doesn't quite turn out how you want it. It's not like you just fail miserably. It's just yeah. It's different different ways that it can come out. Yeah, that's what that's what I wanted. And that's what uh, I was pleased with. You kind of because you've made that choice of which way you're going to try and go with the narrative. It's kind of even if it doesn't go your way, you're kind of still invested in it and still happy to see something slightly unexpected happen. Um, you know, like Grant said, he remembers those scenes where he was playing, with his, where he was trying to help this hooker get a, yeah. a better life, his girlfriend, but even if it was a bad outcome, it was just so uh, emotionally moving, like what he's, he's trying to achieve. Yeah. That it, it leaves an impact and uh, makes those characters more, more compelling. Yeah, um, yeah. And, and I played it. Thing, so I was just going to say the other thing that, that I definitely want different from old style role playing games is that your characters, you know, you get to keep your character for the whole game to the end, and then it's at the end that things might happen. You don't get killed off mid game or in a scene and then be left <laughs> out for a while. Yeah, that, I just find that frustrating in a lot of role playing games when, you know, if you if your character gets killed, fair enough, but then to actually have to sit out at the game without really any way of, of directly interacting yeah. is a bit. Can be a bit frustrating. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Aye. Whereas if you're actually just disadvantaged or you're trying to claw your way back up again, that's much better. Yeah, exactly. You're still yeah. you're still involved, you're still in the fiction, you can still do things, you don't become just an audience member. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so. And the other game been... the other game I played of that was uh in uh, up in Aberdeen, it was. It wound up. Um, everyone was playing other games. It was just myself and Stephen Ironside. There was another player who came in a couple of times. Uh, here, at the Knights of Trinity Club. Uh, okay. But um, it was just just ace. We were set in the West End, West End London, uh, in the seventies, and I, my character was this. Uh, he was trying to look out for his. I think he'd gotten back from prison uh, from uh, a bank heist that had gone wrong. The uh, His partner in crime had been hung uh, hung for it, or might have been killed by the police in, in custody. And he was trying to look out for his um, partner's, his dead partner's wife and her kids. 
And the other character Steve was playing was the um, he was a milkman. The proverbial milkman? The actual... He's an actual... He worked for the milk board. Oh, right. Some of his jobs are doing doing modelling for for posters (laughs) for the milk board. (laughs) Um, We're having, like... Yeah, we're having, like, fights in the town hall and, like, you know, we'd be... Uh, you know, as the game went on, we going up to like hotels in London to 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 have the fights. The, the last one was in like the the last fight was in a big big swanky hotel in in, in like the West End. Uh, in the um, yeah, the best bit the best bit about that is when we forced we ended up getting second connections. Um, I thought oh, his father was his connection. I think a disabled father who was trying to look after, um, and. But we we wound up making second connections as the as the storyline went on, uh, and we each picked different sides in in this mob war that was going on between the Italians and the old and he he took up with the Italians who moved it who moved in, and I I took up with the the old school East End gangsters. I was just yeah, so it wound it all wound up yeah. all coming to a head in this one last this one last fight. <laughs> And that, uh, was, that was essentially and, uh, a two-player yeah, game. We, we, then, so. Yeah, <laughs> two-player game. But there, there was no player. One, right. one of the players eat work, work shifts and could only come in. It was essentially mano a mano. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, so we were only ever going to fight each other at the end, and it was great. <laughs> yeah, that's that's cool. Cause that's one we, that both never... lo- we both wound up with bad outcomes. <laughs> so I've just was just saying I've I've never actually played it two player I don't think so but it's interesting when I hear about people who have played it and say that it does work it still works pretty well as a two player game because yeah. um, that's a strange dynamic sometimes in role playing games I think I yeah. find it hard to have a, a two player game if it's, I know some people do and some people like it but it's just one GM and one player yeah yeah but we yeah, when you, you, when you call partners it's the, it's a different matter Aye. yeah you create the story together instead yeah. Aye. I think that was that was the other thing that I um, you mentioned a wee while ago, Joe, uh, about the kind of um, well, I suppose it was the first game that I played that was real like proper improvising, like I played sort of GM stuff, and I, you have to make up what your character says and does, of course, but it's still within their kind of you're still railroaded. You're not really making up the world or anything like that. But with yeah. this game, you're actually creating the world. You're creating the stuff around you. You're you're creating the storyline rather than the GM, and that was the first time I'd ever done that. Yeah, and how did you you feel about that? that, that I well, I found, and I still find, I still find sometimes that I do prefer. Well, I don't know. I still I go through days when I prefer one and prefer the other, uh, because sometimes I'm just not feeling that creative, and I feel a bit kind of, you know, you don't, you just don't want to make something up. You want to just have someone create something for you to play within. But then other days you have such a great laugh making stuff up, and yet like I think it does depend on the kind of mood you're in sometimes. I find anyway. Depends whether you're feeling really creative or really sort of uh, open to that kind of stuff. Yeah, I know what you know what you're saying. Um, I think sometimes if it's something that you you'll get a chance to be more creative, and make stuff up, you kind of get a bit more energized as you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. 
I find like if you if you buy into it, although it is it is a bit hard to start sometimes. You're like, yeah, I've got to make more outputs. So I don't really want yeah. to. But once you start, you kind of build from there, and it goes quicker. Whereas, yeah. if if you're kind of hanging back and just like uh, relying on the GM doing stuff, sometimes that works great, and you can buy into it. But yeah. sometimes it's just easier to just disconnect a bit. Yeah. Well, that depends a lot on the GM, doesn't it? I mean, that's like you entirely relying on their creativity instead, which is yeah risk and sometimes. The, <laughs> and then having to split their creativity between four other people. Yeah. Aye. And then probably not knowing what you want as well. I mean, it's it's never yeah. going to be the exact right path. Yeah. I I really enjoy it. you know that just to mention as well that book that you lent me, Joe. I've got it in front of me here because I just pulled out my uh, oh, yeah, yeah. shelf to play unsafe, Graham Walmsley, and it was. It was someone you mentioned a wee bit ago as well about the, like, what makes the good, what was that again? I can't remember what you said now, but basically what makes good improvisation is when everybody actually just accepts stuff. So, oh, that was it. It was yeah. when we were talking about the fact that you don't necessarily fail at a task, so you say you want to do something, uh, and you don't just do a straight fail, but it might be something bad happens to you, and it's about improvisation being really good when you actually just take that in your stride you don't say oh no that doesn't happen this doesn't happen like if somebody suggests something you yeah. just take it on board you just you just say right yes and you and you just play with that you you play on that and you build on that and that's what makes a great story and i think that's one of the great things about this, about your about original contenders and about eternal contenders as well the fact that you get characters jumping in your scenes, obviously, so you totally end up creating stuff for each other. People can throw in little ideas for you, and it just makes the story go in ways you don't even expect as well when you start the scene. Yeah. That's, that's cool. <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed that book. Graham Walmsley, wasn't it? Yeah, it was really good. Yeah, it's, it's, that again. <laughs> it's a good kind of introduction to um, improvisational ideas in, in role play. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I would say after that, uh, Impro by Keith Johnston or Impro for Storytellers are, are really good books on improvisation. Yeah. Really deep into it, and yeah, I've I've been rereading one of them and plunging it for ideas for for yeah. cosmic, cosmic kobolds and things. <laughs> 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 and how we how we can work that in and just make it easier to go. Yeah, so, uh, I hadn't actually realised how much more widely reaching it was. Like I I just read that sort of thinking of the role playing world, but um, yeah. I was reading the you know Malcolm Gladwell um, his book um, Blink I think it is. I was I've got the audio bit just now, and they're talking about improvisation and that as well. And it's all the exact same stuff. It's just about sort of accepting things that come to you and building on it and all that. It's, so it's it's obviously not a new idea just for role playing. It's kind of an old school uh, impro actor type of stuff. It's been around for years. Yeah, it's the same kind of idea of, of spontaneously creating a narrative, but uh, yeah, done in very different ways. <laughs> But yeah, anyway. <laughs> yeah, I like that bit of the game though. So Joe, you also played, uh, remember you played an interesting game with Contenders where uh, you set it in a fantasy world. We set it in uh, our, our camp, the, the same world as our big campaign. Yeah, that was that was a good game. Yeah, because I was playing with, with Matt uh, and Russ and Dan. And as we've mentioned on the podcast before, we have our epic... Uh, Readmaster campaign that's been going on for 15 <laughs> years or so. Um, and so we went to play a game one night and we said, oh, we'll fit in a game of contenders. Um, and and Dan, I think Dan really wanted to play his character, really wanted to play Jurgen. Um, so Matt said, oh, well, we could do a, a, a game of contenders but set back in um, Jurgen's past, like mm -hmm. when he was really young, having these. Uh, in his like native country, having run-ins with these uh, like local gangsters, 
basically. Um, so then we all create characters that would exist in in the world, but so the world that we play our campaign in, but like twenty years before our current campaign set, and far uh, away, and far away, yeah. Um, and again, that was a, a really interesting game. I had a lot of of story coming out of that, and. Um, in terms of Dan's character, it built up a lot of his relationship with his uncle. I think his uncle was his connection, who was also his trainer, but he was a bit of a drunkard. And, and, and you know, Jurgen's just a bit nuts anyway. So he ended up totally. I think he ended up selling out his uncle to the gangsters or something. <laughs> that <laughs> sounds like standard Jurgen. <laughs> yeah. In fact, I think Matt was playing his uncle. That was it. Matt was, Matt's character was Jurgen's uncle. He was, yeah, he was like an old fist fighter. Um, Right, quite tough, but yeah, yeah that's quite a cool. I- that's quite a cool idea that you could use one game to flesh out another. Like if that yeah. kind of character development, I suppose, doesn't work so well maybe in Rollmaster because it's so kind of tightly constrained by the maths and all that. So you get a different type of game that's a lot more easy to improvise and create new characters and stuff. It's quite cool. Yeah, just one, just one sort of scenario, a short campaign, because yeah. yeah. sort of blow open a whole. For better or worse, blow blow a great big hole open in your in or several holes in your in long running campaign, yeah, and, and sort of mix it up and maybe get things, oh, get things moving along maybe, or yeah, just yeah. giving more backstory. Yeah, well, that was kind of what um, we've talked about this before, haven't we? The fact that our last session in Rollmaster, we uh, had a bit of a strange session where we kind of made up a little bit of history for ourselves and did that in the past scene. That would have probably worked really well if we did that in either Contenders Rules or something similar, wouldn't it? Well, they have yeah. fighting. Pit. They have fighting pits in that city in the east that we could have gone to. <laughs> <laughs> but you also have to be very poor. Uh, you have to be fighting. You have to be fairly desperate for contenders. Uh, it's, it's part of the the, the setting. Yeah, that's part part of the setting. Part of the idea is that the characters start out poor, like they need they need money to survive. They need money for their connection. They, yeah. yeah. They're not not independently wealthy like Jeffrey Hardaway. Well, you could just change the uh, you could just change the currency, change it to uh, political favor, or yeah, exactly, aye, anything doesn't have to be actual cash. No, and um, it's interesting you saying that. We have done it with uh, Dragon versus the Gun as well, which is um, in fact a game that I wrote for the third round of Ronnie's (laughs) back when that was done, and that's a game that I've still not published. I've not quite um, got. I've got in a version where I'm I'm pretty happy with it, but I just need to sort out all the art and layout, and that's going to take quite a while. Yeah, Um, but we have done that because that is about kind of um, epic, wide-reaching plots. We did do that with. Again, with with Matt, because it's Matt who runs the big Rollmaster campaign, for what would happen with the other group, with you know with Dan and, and Russ and, and Gemma's group, like because um, they were involved with a lot of different factions in the jungle. Um, Just so everybody knows, we basically two two yeah. of our another group of our friends play in the same universe or the same world yeah. with the same GM, but we're separate characters, separate groups, and apparently we're all going to meet up at some point, but we never have. Uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> in, the, in, the, in the past, Jeffrey's met Adamaria, haven't he? That's well, right. He, that's he came in as a side character, uh, yeah. but we haven't re-met, have we, for a long, long no. time? No, that, that seems increasingly likely given yeah. real life considerations. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've kicked their asses uh, many a time in that sort of fantasy <laughs> uh, battle, <laughs> fantasy arenas. Yeah, yeah. Yes, we did these uh, made-up PvP sessions. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, are we done with uh, contenders? Mark one then. Yeah. Almost. I just finish off. I don't think I finished my last point about the uh, Dragon oh. versus the Gun. <laughs> we, we ran a session to uh, 
move on the storyline for their campaign in terms of which, because there were different factions playing against each other in the jungle and it wasn't, Matt hadn't decided as the gem who was going to triumph or which uh, side was going to come out. So playing out that game uh, in which I got to play Draka, who was pretty badass, like the king of the Gellian. So. Oh, nice. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, determined which side between uh, which which of the sides ultimately gained the heart of Sith, and then which who they would have to deal with in their next uh, campaign session. Yes, the Gelying are evil demons who are who come from another dimension to terrorize the world or enslave <laughs> the, to save the human race. Maybe they might have been in cahoots with some people. We, we're not entirely sure. We haven't ever seen him do anything nice, have we? <laughs> <laughs> no. Never, Never seen them help an old woman cross the road. No. Oh, that's the classic. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, cool. Uh, but yeah, so Eternal Contenders then. For what was the segue then? Was that was that where it came from, playing a game like that? Um, yeah, when I first run the fantasy version, I think it's about five years ago or so, I tried to that start about to that, yeah. on, on the Eternal Contenders, or it was called We the Warriors for a while. I, like, I quite like that title for it. But then I thought, Eternal Contenders, what not? Get the Contenders link in so people know <laughs> it's a new version <laughs> yeah. of Contenders. Um, but yeah, that first session that I ran, like we say, about five years ago, back at your old place, um, Peterhead Grant. That was yeah when I'd that was when I'd literally made the first few tweaks to change it from being just con, just contenders with a fantasy setting to actually having some mechanical changes and rule changes. Um, and I ran so a, I ran a game. Sorry, Karen Cole. No, I was just going to say, keep going if you want, but I was just going to say, um, so talk, I was just going to talk me through the rule changes then because I've got no idea. I'm quite interested to see what's actually changed. Okay. Uh, yeah, the rule changes are, one of the biggest changes is to your choice in characters. You've got more choice in character uh, when you're building your character in Eternal Contenders uh, in terms of each character has a unique fighting style which is in some ways inspired by the Street Fighter role-playing game, Street Fighter <laughs> storytelling game by White Wolf <laughs> in the uh, late 90s. The White Wolf game that they want to forget about. <laughs> they want to pretend they didn't do but they did do it because I've got nearly all the books. And <laughs> it's awesome. I was a massive Street Fighter fan. You have proof. <laughs> I have proof. But this, this storytelling Street Fighter game is, is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> the combat system is, is so complex and so slow; it's almost unplayable. <laughs> based on so, based on a ninety-second uh, street fighting computer game, and it's incredibly it winds up being incredibly complex. Yeah, because they have based it so much on the computer game. So every character has those six basic. Cause you have six buttons in Street Fighter Two. So yeah. every character has their six basic attacks, um, which are all written out on individual cards. And every turn you choose one card, but as well as your six basic attacks, uh, you've also got your blocks and your move and your special moves. But they're all on, on cards that you have to cut yeah. out, and then you have to start <laughs> up, and then you choose, every person chooses which one they're going to do, and then you look at what your dice pool will be, 
and then you roll your dice pool and you can put any tape. I should all be <laughs> should all be on the cards. <laughs> yeah, but it's still a D10 pool system where you end up rolling like 15 D10 and then no, because otherwise it wouldn't be White Wolf. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and and the stats that this, the actual Street Fighters had, if you're playing with the World Warriors, because they had like Zangief had like strength seven when human maximum was five. <laughs> um, but uh, back to eternal contenders. But the idea, but the idea were there is when you're building a character in Street Fighter, you chose your fighting uh, style. You know, you chose like the, the basic book had all the uh, world warriors, so you could have Shotokan Karate, like Ken and, and Ryu, or uh, Capoeira because apparently Blanca, Brazilian, other sort of beast. He, he this form of Capoeira. That no, he uses. <laughs> <laughs> Kung Fu, Chun Li, um, Sanbo. Zangief, the Russian wrestling style. Mm-hmm. Uh, sumo, <laughs> of course, for Edmund Honda. And uh, you know, all the others. Uh, Mutai, the Sagat. Things. Yeah. But that was the idea. Yeah, you, you chose your style, and then based on your style, you could buy special moves. So it, it's essentially the same. Eternal Contenders, I've got six different fighting styles yeah. that you pick from. You pick which how your warrior fights. Um, and because they're all warriors, I didn't Wanted to have, I didn't want to have any styles that sounded kind of more virtuous or purer than any other style. You know, like your, your standard classes, like your paladin, if you've got a paladin or a templar, yeah. that kind of sounds more virtuous and, and noble in a way, or even a knight sounds. So I've, I've called the styles um, a, a savage, a zealot, rapscallion, um, a void walker, and a dark friend. A militant. I think dark friend is, is pretty. Uh, it tells you what side they're on. Yeah. So they're pretty much all kind of. Um, well, not bad exactly, but yeah, definitely on the worst yeah, side of things. Exactly. There's nothing that would would you immediately associate with with goodness or yeah or like. Um, so that's what. Yeah, like the the zealot is a replacement kind of for a paladin or templar. Yeah. Who's, yeah. Uses their faith as as a weapon. So it's roughly analogous to character classes. Yeah. Although it really doesn't decide much on, not a huge amount on on the characteristics, or on the you know the, on the personality. Just, There's a wide variety of stuff. You're not going to be as a zealot. You're not because a whole lot of things you could be. Whereas mm-hmm. as, as as a paladin, you're kind of narrowed. You're very narrowed down. Yeah. So and yeah. So in the old game, basically you're. Combat rolls, your combat rolls, your combat draws, because cards, it depended just on your stats, didn't they? So, yeah, what yeah. effect do these classes have on that then? Well, with each class, you get uh, two techniques uh, that you start with, and you can learn, you can train and learn in more techniques. And then these will uh, affect the combat draw in different ways. Like if you were playing a Rapscallion character, you might have the fight dirtier technique. Which means when you choose to use dishonorable devices, dirty tactics, uh, you get a bonus, and you get to avoid the bad stuff that might happen. Because you know that's what rapscallions do; they fight dirty. They know <laughs> <Okay>. how to. <laughs> yep. they, they use uh, anything they can to their advantage. Um, or if you're a, a militant, uh, you might have steel pride. Because um, another thing that's added in Eternal Contenders is the use of weapons and items, which gives you a boost. Um, and if you're a militant, you can make those weapons better. They're, you know, you're trained in weapons. You, you get to use your weapon twice per combat instead of once. 
Okay. So how do you get these weapons in? Because, like, are you talking about just actually uh, writing them in, basically, when you're telling the story? Or do you have to do uh, something no, to get them? The, the mechanically, you start off play with one plus one item, which could be a weapon or a piece of uh -huh. armor or anything or a lucky charm. Sure. Um, and it'll only give you a plus one boost yeah. though, it, at the start, and you get better and better ones as you go along. Yeah, it'll only give you a plus one boost. But further down the line, once you've made some wealth, some money, you can reinvest that, spend that on buying better weapons and better equipment. If you want. Okay. Or if you want a quest, you might find a really powerful magical weapon. Yeah. Um, so for the rapscallion, then how do how does he use his uh, his uh, bad weapons, his uh, skulky stuff? His skulky. Well, it's up to the player to decide decide what narration fits. Uh -huh. But he still has to buy the weapon, so he still has to buy like a a plus two uh, shuriken or whatever. Uh, no, well, no, because the the techniques don't depend on a weapon. Right. So you can. I mean, you can narrate a weapon into any. See any exchange, but mm -hmm. you just won't have any mechanical benefit unless you've, you've paid the points for it. Right. Okay. Uh, but you don't need a weapon to use any of your techniques. Yeah. So for the rapscallion, if he says, "Right, I'm going to go and sneak over here behind the curtain, wait for him to jump out," then that's when he gets his benefits, as long as you narrate it in. Yeah, as long as you narrate it. Well, depending, on, you've got like, if he's got fight dirty, he can use that once per combat. So before the cards are dealt. You know that that player will have to say, okay, right, I'm using my, f I'm, I'm fighting dirty, and I'm going to use my fight dirty talent, so I get an extra card. Yeah, all the talents, all the talents and the items are generally one use. Yeah. Per battle. Per battle, right? Okay. Per yeah. jewel. Because ah, yes. they're mostly jewels. Cool. Okay. Right, just tell me if I'm asking too many stupid questions, but I wonder if like anybody listening will be wondering the same kind of stuff. So. No, absolutely. Yeah. No, it's good. It's great. That's what. Cool. That's way to learn. Okay, <laughs> and um, that probably is the that's one of the biggest differences. And the other difference is there's more scene types uh, added into Eternal Contenders. Mm -hmm. You can now choose to directly rob another contender, another warrior, right? <laughs> if you want, because before in in Contenders in brawl scenes, it would be like a street fight where you could uh, mess someone up. Um, you can still do that. Yeah, you can still do that. But you couldn't. But one thing that you couldn't do in the original contenders is like if if one boxer was really rich and had loads of wealth, there was no way of, of taking that off them. Uh, you couldn't directly get that. Whereas in total mm. contenders, you can have a scene where you go at right. Yeah, he's just won that wager and got uh, ten wealth. I'm going to have a threat scene. I'm yeah. going to rob him. Is <laughs> <laughs> that sort of? Um... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's that great sort of metagaming thing where you uh, there is a feedback. If somebody gets too good at something, if somebody has too little pain, uh, and pain is a bad thing. You won't have a little pain at the end of the at the end of the game because if you have more hope than pain, mm -hmm. you something you know you you meet your uh, you you have the good thing happen at the end. Uh, um, but if you have more pain than hope, then you. Uh, then your ultimate fears come to pass, yeah. and, and darkness overwhelms you. Yeah, <laughs> but if you have uh, if you have too if they're too little pain, then and then everyone that has pain winds pain up. Pain is useful. Pain makes you yeah. harder, makes you stronger, makes you fight better. <laughs> but it will ultimately drag you down. So you have to yeah. manage that pain. How do we and explain? Sorry, had we explained that aim, like the fact that when you're creating your character, you you 
you create your hope. So you create your kind of your ultimate aim. You create what your character is trying to achieve, and that's yeah. maybe related to your connection, isn't it? Yeah. But there's an ultimate fear related to that connection as well. Is that right? Yeah, that's that's right. We didn't yeah. quite, we didn't talk on the, the ultimate fears before. But yeah. That's what uh, we, we kind of touched on it in the character episode that we did. Yeah. It is about um, the ultimate fear is linked to the, the connection that you have, and you want in. If you yeah, like Grant says, if your pain is higher at the end of the game, the ultimate fear comes to pass. Something bad happens to that connection. You know, like if it was the hooker with the heart of gold, like she ended up dead of an overdose or something. Um, that could be yeah. the ultimate fear. Um, and what else was I going to say? <laughs> really and if your hopes, yeah, if your hopes higher than your pain, then uh, she is redemptionized, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah. <laughs> and she's not a hooker anymore. She turns exactly. into your lovely That's wife, perhaps, Colin. <laughs> you become you become uh, Richard Gere, and she becomes Julia Roberts in big <laughs> leather boots. Well, we have we have some examples of this. Um, with the the actual game that that I played, uh, uh, the club in Aberdeen, oh, yeah, we had some, yeah, some great characters. Uh, we had uh, von Richtenstein. I've got a, a link up to the actual play thread that that I put on our RPG net. RPG net. I'll just bring it up here. We had my character was uh, von Doctor von Richtenstein, who's like a mad mad inventor. Uh, <laughs> He had his he had his wife in a, a kind of suspended animation. He was trying to find a cure for her and spending money on all these expensive components for the machinery that was keeping her alive and trying to find a cure. Um, ultimate hope that he, he rescues and saves her. And ultimate fear that she were to die. And how much hope did he have at the end of the game? Uh, more hope than pain. So what happened? Yeah. What was his ending then? Um, eventually, he, uh, he he saved her, and uh, yeah, it wasn't nearly as interesting as what I had prepared. If, if he was good <laughs> to lose, <laughs> that was some really dark stuff. <laughs> we weren't expecting things to go right. <laughs> I wasn't expecting things to go right. This is me, <laughs> but unfortunately, unfortunately, I won my last fight. <laughs> That's the thing, isn't it? It can be far more interesting when you lose. You can still have a lot of fun when you lose. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Well, that 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 game, the 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 East End uh, Contenders game, was uh, was was great fun, and it was full of pain, <laughs> uh, but but wound up being an interesting storyline. That's good. Oh, and talking <laughs> of pain, that's another change that I made in the Eternal Contenders. Um, I remember what I was wanting to say before. I was wanting to mention about my life from Master, and this this fits in as well. The idea of, of pain. Because um, in the original contenders, there was like no no limit on your pain. Your pain could just skyrocket, and it would get could get ridiculous potentially. Whereas in eternal contenders, it gets to a point where your pain won't increase anymore. Um, but your next scene has to be a pain revealed scene, which is like a direct uh, reference to my life with master, where you have uh, the the pain revealed as a scene when. Um, I forget where it is. It's something to do with when you, your self loathing as a minion rises too high or when fear is higher than reason something like that um, so that kind of acts as a safety valve that, that brings a, a player character's pain back down to a point where they could um, they could still get the good outcome uh, but there's a choice now in eternal contenders where you can choose whether you want to have that uh, pain reveal scene and lose a bit of your effectiveness but, but bring your pain back down to a point where you can still win or whether you're just going to embrace the pain and become 
more of a monstrous character, just more of an Just go for broke, isn't it? Just... <laughs> yeah, it's just like you're giving it's... up on your hope, basically. You're saying, I know my ultimate hope can't come true. Yeah, the example of antagonize everyone else. (laughs) (laughs) There's an example of play that is uh, the one bit in the book that I make sure that my pupils don't see when I'm playing at school. (laughs) It goes down a very dark path. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's that's a Jurgen scene as well, isn't Mm -hmm. it? Inspired by Dan's character. Never be inspired by that man. The worst, <laughs> the worst player character ever to grace the halls of role playing. <laughs> I don't mean worst. I mean he's a good character, but the the baddest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like I said, he's, he's not bad. He's just mental. Yeah, he's well that's true. Insane. But the the Jurgen in who I I um, took it in Eternal Contenders. No, he he does just go very evil <laughs> at one point in the book. Yeah. So. So what does what you, you say that um, it's good to have pain sometimes? What does pain help you with then? It helps you with all sorts of things. It helps you in uh, work scenes. Helps you work harder, be stronger, earn more money. Yeah. Uh, it helps you in threat scenes when you're attacking another contender, another warrior. If you're trying to brawl with them in the street yeah. or rob them. Yeah. And yeah, in those threat scenes, you're not you're not using your normal combat stats. You're uh, you're just it's pain versus pain yeah, usually. It's just one draw, quick and dirty. Yeah. So talk me through the, talk me through that check then. Uh, well, I, I'm I'm a I'm a character. I go off and I say I'm going to rob this guy and I'll be back. He's just won a whole bunch of money. I'm going to rob him. Uh, I have lots of pain. I'm I'm not doing very well just now. I've got like five pain and only three hope. How does right. that go? Okay. Well, I'd say that he say and let, let's say the guy has just won loads of money. He's only got two hope. <laughs> right. He's only got two pain, and his life is good. And he thinks he's going to win the game. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's cold scene, and he's called for a threat scene where he's going to rob. Um, let's call him Jimmy McLucky. He's on his way back. <laughs> he's way back from the arena with his, whistling his last winnings, whistling <laughs> along. No one's been able to touch him in a fight. Uh, yeah, you've got pain five. You get dealt five cards. He's got pain two. He gets dealt two cards. Uh, red cards are successes. Whoever's got the most reds wins a check. So, say you get dealt. Say you only get two red cards out of that five call. <laughs> he, but he only gets one. Yeah, you win the check, and then whoever's got the highest black card gets uh, narration rights to say how it goes down. Okay, um, but what happens is you get to um, deliver him. Well, in in however they describe it, you get to steal some money off him, um, and it's two points, two points of wealth per point you beat him by. So if you only beat him by one, you get to steal two of his wealth off him. Okay, cool. But if you've got like four successes and he got none, then you get to steal eight wealth over him off him. <laughs> so it's like you just hit him with a blackjack as he goes around the corner. Yeah. Steal a lot. <laughs> Literally just take the, the victor's belt off him and, <laughs> and take it to the nearest fence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'd say one 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 of the one of the best scenes from a recent game when we played this uh, steampunk setting, sort of tweak the setting a little. Um, was when uh, Katarina Popmeyer, who did very well against every, pretty much did best out of any character, massive amounts of hope by the end of it, uh, 
And she, she was she the she was the, she was the, the secret jewelist. secret female duelist. Female duelist, yeah. Who went to the main the men's dueling school? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She won loads of fights, didn't she? She was yeah. just yeah, kicking everyone's ass at one point. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Richard Fletcher, the desperate ex-soldier, uh, uh, actually follows follows her and, and does has a threat scene. Actually managed to do it, but. Uh, uh, Katerina won the won the narration. So what what she does all she does is she takes pity and donates donates some coins to him with a warning <laughs> never to with a warning never to try it again. Really? <laughs> so you could you could lose yeah. the scene, but if you yeah. got the highest black card for narration, then yeah. you actually get to dictate it on your terms. Yeah. He's like, don't be silly. Here's some money. Don't don't, don't ever do this again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so the so the kind of more the more simple scenes are basically just a stat on stat check. Yeah. Highest reds win. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> do any do any of the classes ever help with the other scenes or do the classes only help with combat? Uh, only one class helps with the other scenes and that is a rapscallion. If you have the ominous trait, you're better in threat scenes, you're better at brawling mm. and robbing people. Okay. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. And all the other classes are just for the full-on combat. I see. Yeah, all the other classes, I think, unless I've forgotten something. <laughs> I don't <laughs> think I've at this point. <laughs> so the combat combat checks then, that's a bit more... That kind of just works the same way, but you're doing more rounds of it, aren't you? Yeah, it's a much longer, more involved scene uh, to have a, have a duel. Um, and the uh, basic idea is that it comes down to I wanted to put, put player choice into combat when I was designing it I wanted it to be like about meaningful player choice and that you know each round would matter combat wouldn't take an age but would be uh, you know long enough for there to be reversals of fortune and uh, to build to some sort of outcome um, so the idea is each character has a choice of four basic tactics each round, and you choose that face down, hidden. What tactic? What your tactic is going to be, and then it's revealed at the same time as your opponent's, and that determines how many cards you get dealt uh, for your domination check, your maneuver check, which determines who, which warrior outmaneuvers the other, and then if you're successful, then your damage check. So the choices you're making is like you're weighing up: do I need a higher uh, domination score, or do I need a higher damage score? Because outmaneuvering is great, but then if you strike your opponent and do no damage, it's it's been wasted. So that was the idea between behind the uh, character choice or player choice in right. the combat. So say that again. Is that so? Is that when you're choosing whether to be defensive or offensive or whatever, you yeah. get more? How how does that happen? And how do the cards get split? Do you only get a certain amount per round, and you have to split them as you will? You've got a choice of four cards, um, and there's some nice there's some nice cards in the uh, in the book as well that you can photocopy or you get the PDF and you can print out cards, stick them, mm-hmm. yeah. just stick them on the card, and they're really nice to um, uh, you, you play secretly, uh, which tactic you're going to play and reveal simultaneously. Uh, okay. Yep. Yeah. So your tactic affects your card pool for that uh, phase, mm-hmm. and your your um, combat traits also affect it like if you've got a higher uh, maneuver trait 
then you draw more cards during the domination section. Uh, whereas if you've got a higher, if you've got say a higher guard trait, then should you take damage, you've got a much better chance of blocking it. Mm. Okay. Um, right. So in that sense, it's a, it is kind of back to um, sort of classic. Yeah, you're basing it on how good you are at certain things, basically, and you can choose how you want to fight in each round. Yeah, it's a lot more crunchy than the rest of the game is the yeah. is the combat, isn't it? You you got some real tactics. Yeah, yeah that's good. That's good. Um, cool. Yeah, definitely most involved involved scenes. Uh, but at the end, that that is the crux of the game, isn't it? It's gladi- gladiatorial combat. That's the idea. Yeah, you are the, you are warriors, so the, the fight scenes are, bit, are more involved, and you have more riding on them because if you get defeated in a fight, your your pain's going to go up. You, you might get a reputation increase, uh, you might not, you'll get a bit of, of money, whereas if you do well in a fight, it's really going to help your character, you're gonna, your, your renown is going to increase a lot, and you're going to get a pretty good payout probably. So. Mm-hmm. But you've got um, you've special arenas now, and this is a great addition to the game. Yes, indeed, yeah, this is, yeah, it's changed slightly how... Um, fights the schedule. Like in the original contenders, you'd have like a promotion scene where you'd set up the fight between the two boxes, and it was all just role-played and negotiated like how many rounds it was going to be and, and things like that. Um, whereas in Eternal Contenders, it's down to a, a card draw again. And uh, um, I have to thank Jason Morningstar and, uh, and Jeremy Troyer for this, because they, they did a contender's uh, hack called food halls. It was about competitive eating, but one of the changes they never never released that for some reason. But yeah, it was. <laughs> there was a couple of hacks it. because Umlaut got Umlaut was released as well. The Battle mm-hmm. the Bands uh, contenders. Yes. Yeah, Umlaut came out a, a few years ago. It was a uh, Rich Stokes's version of uh, the Contenders engine. Um. That's cool. Um, which has a few tweaks in the mechanics as well. Uh, but in terms of eternal contenders and the changing the, the dual mechanics, I want it to just be a straight up card draw. So um, whoever's challenged gets to make the draw, and then based on which card they pick, that determines the length of the duel. Like whether it'll be a duel to first blood, or whether it'll be for six rounds, or whether it'll be to knockout. Um, which tightened it up from the role played version. Which was was good in a way, but also, I don't know. Also, to me, I kind of I kind of still wanted that slightly harder, crunchier version of just like, yeah, you've got that card. So that's how many do, how many rounds it's mm-hmm. going to be. Whereas uh, I don't know, you just don't want people negotiating fourteen round matches <laughs> <laughs> every scene. You know, it's going to take a while. Yeah, um, there's so much riding, that, like you say as well. So much riding in the fights that it kind of yeah, it makes it fairer maybe if it's decided by the cards. Yeah, and, and using the cards meant that I could also put in this extra mechanic whereby if you draw a, a black card, there's an extra stipulation in the duel that will make it slightly differently, uh, make it play slightly differently in terms of it might be that it's a scrutinised arena, in which case you, if you fight dirty, you'll always get caught, something like that. Or it might be that one of your stats is hampered, or it might be that it's going to be an unarmed duel, so you can't use weapons or items in that fight. Um, or it might even introduce a third combatant, so it's going mm. to be a triple, a triple threat, a three-way. This all sounds yeah. very familiar, Joe. <laughs> uh, Vince McMahon reference here. 
<laughs> you don't have a quite a quote of Vince McMahon on the back of this one. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that sounds really good. I like that. Yeah. This is going back to the your Jules Jules wrestling game, which yeah. had an actual quote from the real Vince McMahon on the back. Vince McMahon. <laughs> Math <Yeah>. teacher. Gavin's <laughs> greatest math teacher. <laughs> <laughs> what did it say? Undoubtedly the finest uh, wrestling-based role-playing game I have ever seen. <laughs> Vince yeah. McMahon. Yeah. It's a nice wee uh, testimonial there. It's not a bad one to get. It's not bad, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I noticed you chickened out of that in recent, in uh, more recent um, uh, editions of the game. Did I? I, I? I think I've seen a copy of the book without that quote in the back. It sounds it like that was by accident. I don't, <laughs> I don't think I've reprinted it since I've that. Maybe, maybe I took oh. it off. <laughs> but yeah, no. I think so, that that kind of um, that ties up one of the things that one of the small downsides that I always saw to the old contenders was just the fact that with um, the sort of boxing theme obviously it, after a few fights you end up just saying right I punch him okay right I punch him right I punch him <laughs> and it was kind of hard to it was hard to be quite creative about how you were fighting when it's just basically boxing every single time but I'm really, really looking forward to another game of this whereby it's uh, such cool arenas and, and jumping. Exactly, yeah. But the arenas can be so much more varied and uh, yeah, like with weapons as well and the different tactics and having classes as well just gives you a bit more of a uh, variety to it as well. So I think that'll be really cool. I'm looking forward to playing some. Cool, yeah, that, I mean, that's the idea. Everything goes and that's, um, I'm hoping it's to appeal to a wider gamer audience as well because I think yeah, I know what, you're, I know what you're saying, Cole. And even if you're really into boxing and know all your technical, yes. moves, your hook from your your jab and your yes. from your uh, <laughs> uppercut, it's yeah. There's only so much that you, you can say. And uh, yeah. I've, I've known this. I've noticed this because I've been reading um, Waterfront Fists by uh, about the uh, boxing stories starring uh, Sailor Steve Costigan, um, <laughs> who were written by uh, Robert E. Howard. Not all right. Not well known, but yeah, one of his other creations, as well as Conan, was uh, Sailor Steve Costigan, who's uh, <laughs> a two-fisted uh, um, champion of the sea girl, the toughest merchant vessel <laughs> sailing on the seas. Uh, <laughs> and that's because yeah, because Robert E. Howard apparently was. I only know this because I got uh, contacted. Um, a while ago, but Robert Howard was really into his, his boxing. He was like a keen amateur boxer, and he he wrote some of these short stories and sent and they were published in boxing magazines like back right. in like the 1920s and 1930s, I think. So, cool, that's um, cool. It's cool, but yeah, like you say, it, the, the descriptions do kind of after a while you're like thinking, yeah, I've, I've heard him say that before. He puts his <laughs> left to the heart or <laughs> sinks yeah. his into the temple. You're like, yeah, even someone who's yeah. A, a, established writer who's <laughs> a keen boxer <laughs> runs, out of, yeah. runs out of things to say after a while <laughs> well, by, the, by the fifth Rocky film you're kind of like um, some new ways to punch people so. <laughs> yeah. yeah you just need to mix it up put in a drop kick or something yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why they brought Hogan in yeah exactly even Rocky was it Rocky 3 was, was he called was he Thunderlips Thunderlips yeah <laughs> ultimate male yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, do you see the um, sorry just going back to the exotic arenas the, the special these special areas for fighting this this yeah I really like this bit um, it, come, it comes some great stuff uh, 
there was one of them that we wound up were fighting in the rafters of this of this uh, like dodgy bar. What is it? Hampered. Draw a car when attempting to use a technique. It only works in success. Or yeah, it must be that one. So we're like fighting in the rafters. So you like might stumble if you try and do something clever. Uh, or there was it was the kids that came up with the great one. It was um. Uh, for I'm just looking through the list. I can't remember which. Kind of it was, but they're in this fighting in a swamp, and like it was a, but it was outside the city because um in your suggested um the the default setting is all about you know after the war and there are all these warriors going around and nothing to do except yeah. for fight, um and it was after this great war when when all the the seas basically receded from the city and so there's this area of swampland left where the swamp goblins lived and they're all in the 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 arena was made up of a bit of swamp and they're all sitting on the the wrecks of a ship uh baying for blood as the combatants <laughs> fight out and fight out in the mud <laughs> that was that's what the kids came up with really? it's just that's cool yeah that's brilliant yeah, yeah. It's just uh, these little seeds for for your imagination to go yeah. and tell about the story. Yeah, uh, well, we've talked about that before, haven't we? Just like yeah, little yeah. One, one word things that just give you that tiny little bit of inspiration that make yourself makes it so much more yeah. easy to be that creative. All the rule says is if you if you get a black ten, it's fatiguing. Minus two stamina per round instead of minus one, and from that, we've got that's the seed of yeah. uh, something really quite cool. Yeah, amazing. <laughs> I know. I'm glad that they're working, and uh, yeah, I think they are good. Like you say, to just plant that little seed and then just run with the first idea that comes up, and uh, yeah, it creates a extra bit about the world that you didn't know. <laughs> so, a minute, right? Talking of uh, talking of kids playing it, then uh, we have to mention it at some point, Joe. The controversy, the 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 lambasting of the cover. What, what's uh, what's this all about? <laughs> well, a minute, a minute, maybe I should just talk about the, so I was talk about the art direction in the game. Yeah, go for it. Be, <laughs> be easier. So, um, okay. Well, the artwork in Eternal Contenders is fantastic. It is. I think it's the, yeah. it's the best artwork in, in any of my games by yeah you know, a long shot. Because <laughs> uh, it's the um, oh the Labyrinth of Lycanthropes is good, but um, yeah, the guy. What's the guy that wrote it, did it for you again? Called. Uh, it was Tazio Betin who did Eternal Contenders. Right. Yeah. Uh, well, he's yeah. He's obviously like hugely talented. He's an amazing artist. Yeah, he is. He is really good. And he, I mean, he's done some role playing stuff before, and he's got a massive portfolio. He's on DeviantArt. Um, worth checking him out. Uh, I think he's just done something for for Monster Hearts for one of the Monster Hearts supplements or something like that. It might be the Italian version of Monster Hearts. Um, but yeah, he's he's he was great. He was great to work with. He was so fast as well, <laughs> which almost took me by surprise, like how quick he was um, at getting a sketch done and then uh, completing the image. And so I talked through with him what I wanted, and I wanted for Eternal Contenders, I wanted six iconic characters to represent the six styles in the game that you choose from to highlight. That idea and those approaches, yeah. and um, so then we brainstormed what one of the characters to be, and I had a, some clear ideas for a few of them, and for others they were kind of uh, we uh, worked worked through different uh, concepts. So we came up with the, the six characters, and there is um, Alphonse, who's the militant, who 
wields like a, a flamberge great sword um who's kind of to me he's kind of like an amalgam of an an empire captain from uh, warhammer and wolverine from the x-men <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's got the sideburns yep yeah <laughs> uh so he's the military style um trained and disciplined but the part of the, the character quirk was like that you know when he's wounded or angered he, he can lose his discipline and become berserk so the kind of wolverine reference mm-hmm. um and then there was um eric like the huge the big guy the big guy the the barbarian type huge hawking viking um yep. <laughs> Yeah, who was the uh, the savage warrior? Uh, fights in a savage style. Who was like your, your typical kind of northern barbarian, not really used to civilization. Um, but I mean, but despite the style being called savage, I mean he's he's a pretty you know, friendly enough guy. He's going <laughs> generally. He's going uh, barbarian. He's going barbarian. Likes fighting. <laughs> likes. <laughs> Knocking people about, but he's yeah, yeah. Finds a lot of work as a bouncer in his work sense. Way, and then there was the uh, rapscallion. And the rapscallion was uh, uh, the concept of, of Jurgen, like I mentioned before. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, rapscallions fight in a kind of um, fencing duelist style. Is what fits them most. So he uses light blades lots of concealed weapons and uh, he's a witch hunter, a witch finder, so he wears like a, a big dark trench coat and a He's still like an urban yeah, like urban hunter rogue type character. So it yeah. looks like that's cons- that's the idea I had for him. He's a bit he's got a bit of um uh, Dante from Devil May Cry going on there, I think. Uh, but he's uh, but as a rap guy, he's quite a, a shady character, mm-hmm. a, bit a bit of a dodgy guy, masterpiece to work. Um, and then there's the, the the zealot character, and the zealot character is Diana, the first of two female warriors. Because I wanted to have two female warriors in Eternal Contenders. I wanted female warriors to be represented anyway, because um, I wanted it to kind of reference Soul Calibur. Street Fighter, Dark Stalkers, those kind of Capcom games, you know, where you have like a load of fighters to choose yeah. from. Well, these um, these are are these arenas harken back to that as well. We've not talked much about that sort of theme that, that we've, that's, you know, that, that it's all based on. And there's a lot of computer games, Street Fighter 2. I suppose you talk about the Street Fighter game. Yeah, uh, Street Fighter 2, Soul, Cal- Soul Calibur type stuff. And the art, the art really depicts that. Yeah, and that's that's what I was going for. That's what I asked Tazio for um, for the front cover. I think he, he delivered that really well. Um, so there's the two female characters who I wanted to be like the polar opposites of each other and kind of in terms of what's talked about in gaming and in fantasy. Uh, so you've got... Uh, well, I'll talk about Monique first. We've got Monique, who was... Who was I think it's clear to say it was Tazio's favourite character. And, <laughs> And mine too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and she is the kind of scantily clad, burlesque, succubus character. She's the dark friend. She represents the dark style, the uh, 
the art that you need pain to activate to use. Um, she's got a bit of Ivy Valentine going on. But the concept I had for her is that she's um, she's actually summoned a demon into her armor and it's bonded to her. So she wears this armor that's actually a demonic entity. So it's capable of shape shifting. So it can shift away to make her appear practically naked. But then as soon as there's a threat to her, it can it'll shift back into like a chitinous plate and protect her. Yeah, so. there's no there's no pictures of that in here, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guess, so. guess, which, uh, guess which configuration she's in on the front cover. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <those> listeners. <laughs> You'll have to have to buy it for yourself to do that. <laughs> uh, so that, that was the idea for her and she's a, a, a vampiric one who practices dark magic and has got covered in, in dark tattoos and stuff and yeah, wears a very risky outfit. Whereas Diana is the polar opposite who um, is based on uh, the idea of like um, Muslim female warriors from the Song of Roland uh, I think it's a land of Furioso um, which was suggested by, by Tazio and that's she wears like full chainmail Holbrook armor fights with a sensible combination of a round shield and a, a scimitar sword. And well, even the, in the back, you've got the sort of the concept sketches, which is quite yeah. a cool addition right at the back of the book. And it says there's there's one here that's got her face in it, and it says even says here, I doubt little little note, I doubt we'll ever see her with her hair uncovered. Yeah, just because that you know. Because culturally she wouldn't. Culturally she wouldn't. No, that's that's what. Uh, yeah, that's her. She won't won't uncover her hair in, except in front of uh, her husband if she was to be married one day. Mm -hmm. um, she's not. So you've got those two polar opposites of female warriors of fantasy who can to to face off against each other in a duel scene, which is what is mentioned in the book. Um, which was something that I wanted to go for artistically. Yeah. Because I think, you know, I like, I like the Monique characters. They are like a staple of, of the fantasy genre. You get, yeah. And definitely the, the computer game characters. Yeah, definitely. Um, she, you know, she owes a lot to Ivy Valentine from Soul Calibur and mm -hmm. to, uh, uh, you know, Morrigan from Darkstalkers, those kind of characters. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And when you explain it all like that, it all sounds very reasonable, Joe. But. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I suppose it's just the fact yeah, I that... I don't have that side note on the cover, do I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I suppose it's pretty... It's kind of um, not understandable exactly, but you can see why people... I mean, they lock straight onto... She, Monique's basically the most prominent on the cover, isn't she? She's kind of the foremost uh, she's amongst them all. She's in the foreground. She's, in the, fr yeah. she's the front character. Aye. Yeah. She's um, pulling, pulling some... Awesome athletics at the same time. <laughs> yeah, I. <laughs> but to be honest, Eric's sitting there, standing there half naked through in every single picture he's in. Yeah, and Kirim as well, who we haven't mentioned yet, who's the, the yeah. void, void walker, who's who's based on like a Hindu, um, what are they called Baba, or is what are they call Baba Yagas? No, not Baba Yagas. <laughs> that's like some sort of monster, isn't it? Um, yeah. Now the guys who cover themselves in ash, I can't remember what they're. They call, it. but yeah, that's what he's based on. So, yeah, cool. uh, so yeah, he generally just wears a, a long sort of a monk, a sort of monastic type. Yeah, he's a monk, um, but yeah, loosely based on like uh, Hindu beliefs and ideas. <laughs> yeah. 
So you believe in equal opportunities in terms of uh, nakedness, certainly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's no uh, there's no chauvinism here. It's uh, it's all anything goes for anything. <laughs> Exactly, it's, it's equality for all. And, and if you don't like one concept, then you can face them in the arena and beat them down. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I did. I mean, I I only saw the people that were commenting on it on the um, the Google Plus post, which J Jason Morinstar was involved in as well. Um, has there been? Have you got any more other comments from other people as well? Uh, no, no. That's that's the only. Is that the only one? That's the only only one where it's arisen. And and to be fair. You know, no one's actually says what they don't like. About yeah, the I know the actually mentioned. Yeah, we're assuming that's what they don't like. Yeah, maybe the object to uh, only two men having beards. <laughs> or <forced on> beards. <laughs> I, don't know. I think it was. I think it was one guy said that he didn't think the game was aimed at women, wasn't it? I think that was the the giveaway. Yeah. But I, I am a bit surprised. It's kind of. I suppose it's always the case of um, the negative opinions are always the most loud, though, aren't they? I mean, they're the people that. You hear so from this is just on, on one small post on Google Plus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, opinions. But yeah, yeah. I like it. I think it's a cool cover. Yeah, yeah I, like I remember. Wait, I you show me a brilliant job. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. When you show me for the first time, first thought was like, "Who? What's that? <laughs> That's Eternal Contenders. Where? Where did you get this artist? That is, that is <laughs> really impressive." Yeah. And there's and nice nice internal artwork as well. That's it, and it's all the same characters used in the internal art to highlight the different scenes and to hopefully, you know, flesh them out a bit and give you an idea of, mm -hmm. you know, what kind of characters you might build if you were playing the game. So. Yeah, they they actually follow the 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 play examples of play, and the actual you know what scene. There's there's a scene of, <laughs> great scene of Jurgen jumping up behind. Uh, 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 what was her name again? Monique. Monique, as she's feeding yeah. on the flesh of a of a of a of a streetwalker yeah. street down the, the down at <laughs> <in> the docks. Really? <laughs> and he jumps out of the shadows at her. Uh, to, to, that's at the start of the threat scenes, you know. Uh, the, so yeah, it sort of follows on from from what's happening on the pages. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So when are we get in the game. We should really do. We should really do some actual play online, shouldn't we? Yeah, we could do. We should play a play a few scenes at least. We got get uh, Yeah, we'll do that. Yeah, we'll about that. Do a hangout game. Yeah, definitely. Although we should come to your new place and christen that with a game sometime. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, get recorded live. Or... Yeah, that's what I was just going to say actually, because we want to. We're talking about our new our game being designed on a, a live on air to be a kind of recording. Yeah, uh, are suitable for recording to making video shows, but we could easily make a recording out of a contenders game, couldn't we? Oh yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, and with all like my fun. new kit as well, I've got to use my nice new shiny new recorder and my all my microphones. So mm -hmm. <laughs> exciting, good stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> eternal contenders. Then um, should we talk about Endgame? We've been through the the scenes. Is that we're going to wrap it up there at the end game? Should I mention yeah. quest, quest scenes first? Oh, quite, of course. That's a major new, major new addition to the game. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah, so there's a new 
scene called a quest scene, which kind of, as you might expect, lets you go on some sort of quest or mission. Uh, but it's it's different from the old contenders because this is the only chance you really get in game to to team up with the other warriors, with the other players, to actually work cooperatively to overcome a common threat. Mm -hmm. um, which, which has a different different scope to the contenders game and kind of brings it, you know, almost full circle back to. Like your traditional party play role playing game where you're going on a quest together, you're going to do a dungeon. Yeah. Or whatever. Um, but you had a quite a, a good quest scene that came up in, in your steampunk game, didn't you, Grant? Do you want to talk us through that? Yeah, we, we, we set off to the. Uh, uh, who was it? I think it was Richard. Uh, yeah, it was Richard Fletcher, the, the soldier. He. No, no, it's Katrina it Popmeyer. Like, I thought it was Katrina Popmeyer. Yeah, of, one of the female characters, anyway, wasn't it? She, she had, dis she had, uh, the, the premise of her quest was that uh, her uh, rival, who, which is kind of the the and these antithesis characters that you can make up at the start of the game to sort of use as, uh, well, to to use as um, antagonists in the game. Uh, it, the premise was that he was uh, doing horrible things to to people in the colonies, uh, in, in the far off colonies. So we got in our uh, we got in our dirigible. It being steampunk, that's what we did. And uh, and what was it? Yeah, we we fought, fought the uh, these mechanical steam powered uh, eagles that came and attacked the the dirigible. So I'm so yeah. During the scene, I'm. Uh, we're, we're, we're fighting against it. Three of us were fighting against it. Myself is uh, Dr. Richtenstein. There's uh, Katerina and um, who else? Oh, yes, the the suffragette, uh, Tabitha von, von Bathen. <laughs> and we're, yeah, they're, they're crashing through the... So we got eagles crashing through the the the... The windows of the of the undercarriage of the dirigible. I'm I'm going out. I'm climbing out onto the <laughs> onto the side of the on the side of the blimp, like um, pulling off steam steam pipes to aim them at the aim them at the the flying eagles coming in. Yeah, it was all all good fun. <laughs> and completely independently, the kids all the the kids at school also decided they would. Go off on a steam-powered blimp, and uh, they, they were attacked by giant, giant mechanical spiders. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, hot air balloons are the way forward. Uh, what else? Yeah, but there's also scenes. Yeah, when we when we arrived in the in the colonies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think it's a quest scene. It, it's um, once you, you sign up on a quest, then the see, the uh, quest continues from character scenes. Like if you've got three people in the questing party, and on each of their scenes, you'll have another quest scene that you're all involved in. So this would be like the second or third quest scene, was it? When you yeah, I think we had two two scenes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we had yeah. Our second scene was when we're actually fighting in in the fields of the colonies. We see the dreadful conditions under which the under which the uh, the the farmers were having to live. I think they were picking cotton or something, and uh, so we we uh, well beat up the 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 militia and took over the 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 sort of the farmhouse. Uh, I think yeah, I had I had some great fun with my uh, electrified glove. 
the photovoltaic, there's not photo, the, the sort of elect, electrovoltaic glove that uh, that that I'd invented or basically bought in a in a in a trading scene, and it was like it had scattering bodies all over the place. It was yeah, that was <laughs> ace. Yeah, that was good. Good to read about. That was yeah. Yeah, I need to go and actually have a workers' revolt. Yeah. Yeah, that was it. Every time uh, they were interpreting their uh, uh, getting backlash, which is what happens if you use foul means to attack. Uh, as if every time they did that, the every time we we sort of interpreted that as the um, the workers uprising against against their over their overlords, and in the end, we, yeah, we led a uh, we led a revolt against the <laughs> against the. Um, cool. Slave masters, basically. Really? Yeah. <laughs> cool. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, yeah on to, to read about. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'm gonna have to go and read that um, a bit more detail. I remember reading the first few scenes, but I didn't get all the way through it. I'll to go back. Oh, I actually have to put. The, I never put the final scenes on. <laughs> <laughs> Saving it as a cliffhanger till the game came out, and now it's yeah. out. <laughs> yeah, no, it's out, so I have to do it. Okay. <laughs> oh well, that, that's a nice segue to the end scene, the end game. Because yeah. so, how did that game end? What was your end yeah. game there? Uh, are, are we are we done with? Yeah, quests should be said are the only way you can get an item that's uh, plus. Was it plus four? Plus four, a plus four legendary item. Yeah. Yeah, you want to have one of those by the end, at the end of the game. That will help you a lot. <laughs> Sounds yeah. like it. <laughs> And we've we've talked about von Richtenstein's ending, haven't we? The uh, the good doctor managed to save his wife and revive her. Yeah, huzzah! It would be much more interesting if he lost. <laughs> so, how much did he win by then? Like how much? Uh, Probably just the last fight, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah, it did come down in the last fight. He just really? had too much to. He had, had too many um, items in the end uh, to. Uh, and just uh, blitz blitz my opponent quite badly. Unfortunately. So who who did he fight then? Because well, so the end game basically that's when you all fight each other, isn't it? And you kind of match off yeah. by how much hope you have, or is it the you difference? Match off by your renown. Yeah. Right. If you have if you have made up these rivals, then you 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 fight you fight your rival, that's don't right. you? Yeah, you fight your rival first, right? As the uh, who's semi, like semi-final type thing, mm -hmm. and then if you beat your rival, then you go. And fight the uh, remaining uh, contenders, the other player characters who've also defeated their rivals, or the rivals if they happen to have won that duel. Yeah. Um, and if, but if you're playing without rivals, then they pair off. You pair off your warriors uh, by renown. So whoever has got the highest renown, which will probably be ten to trigger the end game, or whatever, or, or may fight someone else who's maybe got nine, who's the highest, and then the rest uh, match off that way. And if you've got an odd number, you wind up with a triple threat. Yeah, you got yeah. one three-way match. And and your game had an odd number, didn't it, Grant? It had like an yep. interesting triple... Talk us through that triple threat match that happened in your endgame then. Yeah, Richard who, Richard uh, Fletcher had a, an awful time of it. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, he had bad luck, didn't he, Richard Very Fletcher? bad luck, yeah. Kath <laughs> was playing... Uh, Kath was playing, was play, playing, playing him had a, had some really bad luck during the course of it. But actually managed to get a, a, a knockout blow to Katarina. That was it. Yeah. So having lots of power is a good thing because you can, uh, actually when when you hit, you hit hard, 
and uh, if you get a if you get a good draw as well, then you you can actually knock out. So that's one of the things that makes the combat exciting. Uh, yeah, she got people were moaning that Katrina was unstoppable weren't they, up to that point, and then. Mm. <laughs> her hope, her hope had already, uh, her hope had already been um, uh, outstripped. Her, 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 her. Katrina was safe going to final fights, was she? She already. Yes, yeah, she was. She, she was the only hope. person safe. Yeah. Hmm. So, do you think? Do you get? Um, in your experience of playing it, do you get the case at the end game where? Uh, like everyone it really matters to or do you think it often happens that people have either got safe or they're unsafe as in they can't get enough hope back oh that's one thing about the yeah you have the final preparation scenes which you missed out that's that's something new isn't it uh, yeah, th th there are special final scenes you can take in the first version of Contenders you got a last scene before the final fight but it was just a last one of the basic scenes but something I've tried to balance in Eternal Contenders I've tried to make it so it's very likely going to the final fights that everyone will still be in with a shot, okay. with a chance. Yep. Because uh, you've got the pain reveal mechanic to keep your pain manageable if you want. You've got soothe yeah. scenes, so you can bring your pain down with that as well. And you've got the final scenes where you can have a final soothing scene where you can sacrifice a lot of your uh, combat traits but get to a point where you've got a shot of getting your good outcome. Mm. Um I think it's, it's kind of rare for characters to be in Katharina's uh, situation where you where you're definitely safe, where you've definitely <laughs> got that that uh, yeah. hope, hope buffer. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, but you can get there. So if, if things go well and, and you you work hard and get good connection scenes, you can get to a point where you know it doesn't matter if you get knocked out in the last fight because you've you've done enough to to save your connection. Yeah. Um, so more often than not, it'll get be the case that everyone really wants to win their fight, but the people who are done yeah. who have done better have a much better chance of winning that fight. That's the idea. Yeah. Cool. And and after these fights take place, so whoever wins, they're just normal fights, aren't they? The same as during the game, as during the rest of the game. Yeah. The normal fights, with the one exception that if you win the last fight, you automatically gain one hope. Okay. Which you don't know I do, so that's a bit of a bit of a boost. Basically, it means the last fight's worth about double what a normal fight is. Right. Okay. Yeah. So. And once they're done, that's it. Basically done, isn't it? You just look at your hope and your pain, and do you all get? How does it finish up? Does everyone get one narrated scene to Everyone's say? Epilogue scene. Yeah. Epilogue scene to narrate how things turn out based on yeah. whether you, if you've got high enough hope, you get your ultimate hope comes true. Otherwise, if your pain's high, your ultimate fear comes true. If they're the same, then neither comes true. So you have some <laughs> sort of ambiguous ending. <laughs> yeah. Still hoping. Still, well, exactly. Still hoping, <laughs> or, or maybe still overshadowed. So. Uh, yeah, and then that's that's it. That's the end of those stories, and that's the point when the characters, you know, if their players choose, can die. Yep. Uh, at the epilogues, if things go badly, yeah. yeah. Or even if things go well, and if they think that fits the narrative that <laughs> they've done their part and they pass away. Well, one thing we've not mentioned is, uh, you know, we, we've used these mechanics to uh, to do our Warhammer a Warhammer uh, campaign, campaign, haven't we? The Pretenders system, yeah, which yeah. is still, still in development. My <laughs> narrative campaign-based system for uh, wargaming. Yeah. <laughs> so. 
Uh, one 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 of the best scenes was where um, Collins, the wharf general, uh, did did actually won in the end, but uh, you decided he was going to die. It was a heroic death. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was yeah. I, I I enjoyed writing that. That was that was one of the best um, sort of story based games I think I've ever been involved in. I th- I just really enjoyed playing that. It was just great fun yeah. writing those stories. Yeah, um, we played and I, I think I've rarely got as involved in a character as well. So, I, like, I was pretty. This is a bit embarrassing to admit, but writing that last scene, I was actually like a bit choked up. I was like, "Ah, oh, this is brilliant, Thorgrim, go on, son." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, but, you know, and you can play for you can play D, you can play well most role playing games years and not get as attached to a character because you yeah. you wind up more often being uh, being stats on a page. But if yeah. you're really involved and kind of you got the scaffolding there from the from the game to to make a story with a compelling character who has a name, who has a name in life and is striving for it. Yeah, and I think when you're writing it as well, because we were writing those and send them through to each other by email, it was like you kind of invested a bit more time in it as well. You thought about it a bit more than you would if you were just saying it. I think, like in terms of time invested in that game, it was definitely more than a standard uh, contenders game would be. I think. Yeah, it, uh, oh, investing in the pretenders. That's that's interesting. I think yeah, mate. I suppose I did take a while thinking about my scene and then waiting until I'd like, a, you know, knew I'd got time to type it out what was happening yeah. and stuff. And that was when it was purely narrative because we ran a, a campaign after that where we went, we decided to make it map based as well. Yeah, and and that worked okay, but we didn't get the same depth of story, did we? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Wh- I don't know whether it was to do with the map or whether it was to do with any of the other changes. But yeah, I just didn't get into that one as much. Yeah, yeah. we made it quite crunchy. Which, you know, it was valid, but uh, yeah, I think, yeah. yeah the, the, sto- the one that was closest to the contender system, I think, was the was the better way. And instead of getting instead of getting boosts to our uh, stats from uh, for to our combat stats in a, in a boxing game, we're getting boosts, you know, little bonuses in 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 the Warhammer, in the yeah. Warhammer, like an extra fifty or hundred points or something like that, wasn't it? That type of stuff. Yeah, always yeah, stuff like you get to set up terrain, you mm. get, you get to choose which pitch battle you're doing, or you get to have first turn. Oh yeah, so I sorry, I'm th- yeah, I'm forgetting those draws that we did for every single one. Yeah, or you get to move one of your special units into a call. Yeah, yeah. things like that. Aye, just a wee advantage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, well, I'm still working on that one. One day, watch this. Yeah. The Pretenders campaign system for mm-hmm. a war game. I'll probably release it when, I, um, when I've got war pack up to a, a level that I'm happy with. And then I can release, <laughs> oh, yes. my, yeah, release yeah. my tabletop war game with a campaign system for it. Yeah. I reckon that, like, of all your games... Uh, I mean, they're, they're all good, obviously. I'm not complaining or anything, but I think that one's the one that has the best chance of actually selling a whole shitload of books because there's so many people into Warhammer. And you read a lot about people trying to make up campaigns. And I remember, I remember listening to Garage Hammer, Garage Hammer, as they call it, right. uh, and they were trying to run a campaign and they were going on about like sort of developing a, a, a system for it and they were moaning about it not working very well. And I remember always thinking that our Pretenders game worked far better than what I heard them talking about it's just i suppose you've got a huge audience for it i suppose yeah well we'll see i don't know i just think anything non-official games workshop is probably not going to sell that well 
But you never know. You know well, there is are it, lots of people. There are lots of war games out there. Aren't they? Yeah, so, it's pretty. It's it's not yeah. specific to, um, or it wasn't specific to Games Workshop either, was it? I mean, you could play any no, kind of war game no, with that. But they're the biggest audience. Yeah. I think, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be like, you're uh, disgruntled Warhammer players who've bought the Mighty Empires. Yeah. And have nothing to do with them. No, that's not fair. There is there is a campaign with a with a new Mighty Empires thing, and there is the old Mighty Empires campaign. But yeah, that's a game in itself. It's not really a great um, base for for Warhammer games that are fair. Yeah, <laughs> I know it's quite it's quite a balance, isn't it? Because like even a fifty point advantage in Warhammer can be quite kind of quite crippling to the other player. Yeah, right, yeah, <laughs> definitely at the lower point levels, especially. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I'd, yeah, we should play that again sometime. <laughs> yeah, definitely. We should get another, get another campaign going. <laughs> but yeah, no, that was cool. I enjoyed talking about that there. Good old eternal contenders. We're gonna, yeah. So we're gonna arrange a live online play that we can record and release in the podcast, so yeah. everyone can hear. Um, Sounds good. Yeah. Are you going to have internet next week, Cole? Uh, I um, what am I? Yeah, I I, I should have. Internet, yeah. No, I've got internet right up to the end, and then moving at the weekend, and then uh, obviously I have a lot more spare time as well because I've got less jobs, right? <laughs> less money. <laughs> yeah, that too. Yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, definitely. Online games of Total uh, Contenders are free once you've got the book. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Okay, dokes. Well, that's us up to about nearly an hour and a half now, actually. So yeah, so done I well. Think, I think we've done this. We've done this game. And done it proud. <laughs> uh, anything else to anything else to add about Turtle Contenders, Joe? Um, I don't think so. Other than to say, you know, if you if you do play it and, and enjoy it, uh, or even if you don't enjoy it, please you know, drop me a line. Get in touch mm-hmm. with the dice and with design uh, on our uh, podcast comments here or. Uh, Drop me an email. I'd love to hear from you. Mm-hmm. And uh, happy gaming, everyone. Yeah. Indeed. Oh, I was <laughs> going to say, if you really, if you really have a thing about cards, you don't want to role play with cards. I've played it with dice as well, and it's great. It's not. It's not a great shift. Rolling four ups instead of looking instead of looking for red cards. Ah, right. Okay. Madness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea, though. Joe, however, will not budge on this. <laughs> no, no, it's all about the cards. All about the cards. Yeah. <laughs> At least this one's not tarot cards. It's not quite as emo as uh, your other games, Joe. Emo? <laughs> 90s goth, I think, is... Uh... <laughs> oh, yeah, sorry. I've gone more recent and fashionable. Just like, you know. 90s goth. <laughs> like 600 year old well, the imagery in the deck goes back thousands of years to the Egyptians and things talk about this no it's 90s goth <laughs> <laughs> come on Joe you know 90s goths are the best at uh, appropriating nice uh, old legends and turning them into something a bit shit <laughs> you're going to have to show me Colin how to mark the explicit explicit language box and for the podcast <laughs> Shit, it's PG, isn't it? Surely. Well, we'll see. <laughs> you can say shite, can't you? Oh, yeah, because that doesn't count as an official swear word. Can you say fitching? Uh, <laughs> yeah, you've ruined it now. No, actually, you're right, because nobody knows what that means. Okay. 
<laughs> the younger people certainly won't, so it's fine. Okay. <laughs> no problem. Anyway, good chance. On that right? bombshell. Let's <laughs> yeah. yeah. f- our way out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, this has been the Dicing with Design podcast. Uh, uh, if you want to get in touch with us, you can get in touch with us on Twitter. I am at Grant Sensei. I yes. am at uh, Gamer Colin. And I am at Joe J. Prince. And we're all at podcast at DicingWithDesign.com. So, uh, send us through some questions. Uh, it'd be cool to get some um, some Q and A stuff coming up in the next few episodes. If anybody wants to send someone in, just to ask um, of Joe, the real games designer, or uh, Grant and I, just general game experience, or or anything else. Any topics you want us to talk about as well? That'd be cool. Uh huh. Um, also, you can put up a little put up a little notice on our uh, on DiceMeDesign.com uh, under the episode thread. Indeed. We got some good feedback from that from from there. Yeah, that's Otherwise, true. The stuff's coming, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, get in the comments, folks. Get in the comments. Okay, review us. You review us on iTunes. Tell us we're doing great. Uh, <laughs> email us privately. Tell us we're awful. <laughs> Good call. <laughs> I should probably start thanking Kevin McLeod for our wonderful uh, theme music, and he uh, releases his stuff under Creative Commons license. Good call, and, Grant. And gives us and gives us wub wubs. <laughs> <laughs> Nice one, Kev. We were yeah, well done, Mackie. We know him so well. You see. <laughs> and with that, cheers, yeah. folks. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Bye. Wop, 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 wop,